0: But they don't know it's the last meal they'll ever have with Jesus before the cross. And they don't know how quickly things can turn. One minute, you're cruising down the road and everything's good. Right? And the next second, everything gets sideways. But do you know, even through all of that, do you know God is still in control? He most certainly is. In fact, just last night I... I went back over to the house. I was kind of thankful they had flood irrigated their front lawn, so it was soft when I landed. That was good. Do you think that was just happenstance that that was like that? They have four trees in their front yard and a big old mailbox that looks like it was planted for them kids that come by with baseball bats. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I missed them all. Is that just, just so happen? That I bounced off of a van, flew into somebody's front yard, landed in grass, it was flood irrigated, everything was soft, doesn't come away with any... Is that just... We sure got lucky. That's what they kept telling me at the hospital. Sure are lucky. You sure are lucky. Now, I'm in God's hands. As we all are. And sometimes... That's the way it works. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll never know what the whole purpose of everything was. Maybe the devil was trying to get a foothold. And God said, no, you're not going to get one. Jackie's not done yet. So he gave me a soft place to land. Got grass stains on my jeans. Kathy was mad at me. I was in trouble. (laughs) But in all of that, folks, God is sovereign. God is in control. His hand was there. Kathy was sharing when the, when they called from the emergency room that she was calm. Everything we kind of just, all the pieces just came together. But you see, for the disciples, they're looking at life and they're, they're thinking that life is going to place A. But in reality, they were going to, to destination B. You know, they're thinking, they're praying that the Lord's going to help their gas tank stay full till Jesus becomes king. Right? But Jesus is saying, he's still going to love me, even though things aren't going to end up like you think. And so when we look at John chapter 13, we have to get that kind of a mindset in our minds as we're looking at it, as we're considering all that Jesus is doing, that that's where the disciples are. They still think they're going to destination A. Jesus knows where they're going. But it says in in John chapter 13, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew His hour had come, now that's the hour that the Son of Man will be glorified. When He talks about the hour, what's He talking about? The cross. The time's here. 24 hours away. Man, I'm, I'm coming right up to it. Coming right up to it. Jesus knew His hour had come that He should depart from this world. So what does Jesus know? One, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be here anymore. My hour has come. It's time for me to go. Jesus was going to the Father. He knew that His time had come for that He would depart from this world to the Father. And having loved His own who were in the world, His disciples, He loved them to the end. Now, just meditate on that phrase for a minute. He loved them... To the end. In the, New King, or in the King James it says, He loved them to the uttermost. The end, sometimes we think when it says, Well, He loved them to the end. Well, He loved them to the end of His life. Well, that's true. But that doesn't encompass all of what that phrase is talking about. He loved them to the end of His life, but He also loved them with an undying, inquenchable love that was never going to go away. So He loved them to the end of His life, He loved them with this unquenchable, unstoppable love that he had for them. And he loved them with a love that leaves them lacking nothing. He loved them to the end. We shared before when we talk about God, the great I am, Jesus declaring himself as the I am, the almighty God. What is the purpose of that? God is saying I am everything you need. When Jesus said he loved them to the uttermost, He's saying, I love them. And in my love is everything they need. It's all here in this love with which I have loved them. What do we find in the love of Jesus? Forgiveness of sins. Redemption. Everlasting life. The strength to to stand up and face another day when the days are a little bit sideways or upside down. All of those things are found in Christ Jesus, in that relationship with Him. When Jesus said, I love them to the uttermost, He's saying, this love with which I have given my disciples, this love that I have for them is Everything that they're ever going to need. It encompasses everything that's a part of their life. I'll never stop. I'll never quit. And in that phrase, folks, he's saying that yours, mine, our salvation does not depend on us. Beyond the point where we come to the Lord and put our trust and faith in Him. At that moment, what the Apostle Paul said was true I know in whom I have believed jesus christ and he is able to keep me he's able to keep me if i'm running out of gas on a bike he's able to keep me from being hurt in an accident he's able to keep me through the storm no matter what it looks like he is able to do all those things And Jesus now, he's kind of turning away from that public ministry and talking to the Pharisees and arguing with those guys. And in the next 24 hours, he's going to pour everything in his heart to his disciples. He's going to pour it all out to them. Guys, there are some things you really need to understand. Let me give them to you. Let me lay it out for you. So as we look at these words, we got to see the disciples' heart, everything's good, everything's going to work out fine. And Jesus' heart, oh, you guys don't know what's coming, but let me pour out for you what you need so that you understand what's going on, what's coming. And it says in verse 2, now supper being ended, now what what he's saying in that phrase, it doesn't come across in the English very well, but he's saying supper had already started but hadn't finished yet. They had begun the feast, but, so the beginning was ended, but the whole thing wasn't over yet. And they're sitting around a table that looks like a U, and it's like a coffee table. How many of you guys ever eat around a coffee table? Am I the only one who does it? That's my favorite place to eat. I mean, we got that, we got that nice dining room table, but if I'm just right down, you come over to my house, and we sit down and have lunch, you'll see me plop on the floor, my back up against the couch, And put, you know, my burger right there on that favorite little lane table that's got all the rings around it from all the cups you put there. I don't think that's how it's supposed to look, but that's how it it tends to get. Well, this is what they're at. They're at this U-shaped table. They're all reclining with their feet toward the table and their back, you know, back toward the outside of the house. And they're all gathered around this table like that on the ground all sitting there together, and the Bible tells us, and our supper being ended, and the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him, and Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. So they're all sitting there and all these parts play into what Jesus does. Jesus knows his place. He knows who he is. He knows he's almighty God. He knows that God has given him all things. He knows as he sits there that he's about to go to the cross. And all of those things have no effect on what he knows he needs to teach his disciples right then. What they're lacking. Because The other Gospels tell us, as the disciples were coming into the room, it tells us what they were doing. They were arguing about which one was the greatest. Why were they arguing about that? Because the one who's the greatest is going to get the best seat at the table. I mean, let's face it, if you got invited to dinner, don't you want to sit next to Jesus? You don't want to be the guy furthest away from Jesus. Which, by the way, turns out to be roughly where Peter was. So I'm sure he was kicking up a fuss and they all wanted to be in there. Oh, which one's the greatest? I'm the greatest. You're the greatest. Nobody was willing to do anything for their brother or reach out and lend a hand. They were all, you know, trying to do the me first thing, right? We get in line and and push in and, and we all been places where we've seen folks like that, right? Everybody in a hurry, in a rush, you know, wanting to to get their place first. Well, that's where the disciples were. And Jesus sitting down and thinking about all these things. He gets up. He takes off his robe. He's in the position of honor. To his right hand was John the Beloved, the writer of the gospel. And to his left hand was Judas. Both of those guys were in a position of honor at the table. But you see, as Jesus looked around at all their faces, you know what he could see? Their feet. They're all dirty. And nobody had taken the time to stop and wash one another's feet. Or his. How many times do you think for Peter, when he would look back and think about that night, the last night he spent with Jesus before the cross. How many times do you think he said, man, I wish I would have washed Jesus' feet that night. I wish I would have washed his feet. If I knew that was the last time I was ever going to see him or that I was going to, you know, this side of the cross. If I knew all those things, man, there's, 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 there's things I'd have done different. I'm sure that's how he felt. But Jesus gave to them a great example, didn't he? And he gives them this example so that they would realize, stop fighting amongst yourselves. Stop. It's about other people. It's about reaching out to them. The Bible says Jesus took off his robe and girded himself with a towel. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded, and he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, "Lord, are you washing my feet?" I don't know if you've ever been a part one of the one of the things I experienced in Bible college was uh, we had a final for the Book of Matthew. And, you know, we're all stressed out at any time we have a final. So we're all studying and trying to make sure we got all everything prepped. And so we're coming together for the book of Matthew. We come in a classroom and all the chairs are in the circle. Well, that's weird. No deaths. So we all sit down in this circle, you know. Or maybe it's going to be, a you know, an oral test or something. So we're all sitting there and we're we're a little bit stressed out. And comes in the 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 pastor at the time comes in from the back just with a, a towel around his shoulders and a basin of water. And he'd come walking in and started taking off each one of them students' shoes and washing their feet. That was the final. But it, it was really humbling. Because f- let's face it, if we knew someone was going to wash our feet, we'd wash our feet first. Wouldn't you? We make sure that there was that rank smell that comes out of our shoes. We were wearing better shoes and none of that was going to be a part of it, you know. And, and the, honestly, it's, it's in our mind easier to, to go down and wash. But when that catches you by surprise, like, whoa, now it's not just the pastor coming in to wash their feet. Now it's Jesus. Can you imagine what that was like? Immediately, do you think all the arguing about who is the most important disciple, you think they were arguing about that? All of a sudden, Jesus was painting for them a picture. He's painting them for them a picture, right? Same, Just like baptism, right? He, Jesus was baptized and he said now he wants us to follow in his footsteps and follow in that same sacrament, the sacrament of baptism. Is this any different? The concept, folks, isn't the ritual, it's the heart. The heart of Jesus, the attitude that he has. Peter says, Lord, now Peter's the last guy. Lord, you're washing my feet? How can this be? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing to you, uh, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will after this. That whenever Jesus says that to Peter, it's like he's saying, Peter, just be quiet a minute. You'll get it in a minute. But Peter has this neat neat gift, right? The gift of, he's got his mouth engaged 100 miles an hour. His brain isn't caught up yet. And he's just going to, he just can't help but say what he's thinking. So there's hope for those of us like that, right? <laughs> Peter was like that. Look, Peter... He said to the Lord, you shall never wash my feet. So Jesus answered and said to him, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Well, then Peter changed his tune. Well, Peter said to him, Lord, then not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean but not all of you. What's he saying to them? Listen, we are bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We put our faith and trust in him. He washes us white as snow. But when we go through this world, right? Our week, our journeys, we get a little dingy, right? Our feet are dirty. We haven't lost our salvation. But there's an issue that, that's come between us and the Lord. And what is it that God does? He washes their feet. The Bible says that he washes us with the pure water of the word of God. That God's word washes us clean. Why should we gather together, come to church? Why? Because God's word makes your feet clean. It doesn't mean that you have to be saved again. You just need to wash off the dust, the dirt, the grime from the world. And so Jesus, that's what he's saying here. Look, you've been bathed, you just need washed. Just in part. We just need to clean your feet. But then Jesus said, but you are not all clean. Not everyone there was saved. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Now I can picture this, right? We know the disciples a little bit. Jesus washed their feet. They had this little discourse with Peter. And then Jesus, he puts on his, his robe. He comes back over to the table. He sets back down and he says, now, do you understand what I've done to you? What do you think all the disciples were doing? Sure. They had no cotton-picking idea what he had just done. <laughs> Don't we do the same things? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have no idea what he's talking about. I have no idea. Well, that's where they're at. Jesus is saying, listen, but what does the Bible tell us in 1 John 1.9? 1, in 1 John 1, 1.9, the Bible tells us, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what He's talking about. Washing the grime. That's something we should be partaking in multiple times a day confessing our sin to the Lord oh Lord I'm sorry about this or God forgive me for that because why do we do it I want to stay clean the Lord washed me white as snow his his sacrifice has forgiven me of every sin but I don't want to get all this grungy dirt on me I just want to constantly be walking in a place of communion with the Lord and God's going to explain it to him. Hey guys, you know what I just done to you now? The cool thing is Jesus knows they're like that, so he doesn't even wait for them to answer. In verse 13, he said, "You call me teacher and lord, and you say well, for so I am. If I then, your lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet." Now, I don't believe he's talking about the ritual that we sit in a circle, although those are neat times, and do feet washing service. I think he's talking way more practical. You get dirty, you get grimy in your day going through this world. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to come alongside. Did he say point out where they're dirty? Did he say, holler at them because they got some dirt on their feet? Did he say, complain about the dirt they got? What did he say? You also ought to wash one another's feet. Wash their feet. Galatians 6.1 tells us that when a brother is caught in a trespass or sin, we should come alongside in a spirit of gentleness and meekness, considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. When we come along a brother, doesn't the Bible tell us that before we take a speck out of our brother's eye, we need to remove the log out of our own? It's all talking about that heart, that attitude of restoration for a brother that stumbles or falls, makes a mistake. The Lord says, now you wash their feet. Come alongside in a spirit of gentleness and meekness, seeking restoration that you gain a brother or a sister. And considering that there but by the grace of God, that's me. I'm capable of that same sin. I'm capable of following in, in, in that same uh, uh, guilt that they found themselves in. And I don't want to do that. So the Lord says, this should be your heart within the body, within our fellowship, that when someone's caught, instead of sitting in a corner somewhere talking about what they did or what they said, or I can't believe this or I can't believe that, what does He say? Wash their feet. You make them clean. Husbands, do you realize in Ephesians chapter 5, the Lord says the husband is to love his wife... As Christ loved the church. And give himself for her. Total, complete, abandon, self-sacrificing love is what God is calling to. And then he gives a description of what Jesus does for us. In light of husbands, this is how you ought to be for your wives. He says that we might present Jesus presenting the church before the Father. How? Without spot or wrinkle. Perfect. How does Jesus introduce you to his father? Oh, this is Jackie. You wouldn't believe all the dumb things he did, dad, but he, he got in here. He got a little bit of, of, of fire burning on the cuff of his jeans, but he's here. So that, that's all that matters Now, how the Lord introduces us to the father. The Bible says he brings us without blame. Perfect. Why? Because I'm covered in his blood. It has nothing to do with me. I'm clothed in the robe of righteousness that Jesus Christ has given me. And he takes me and he stands me before the Father. Perfect. And God says to husbands, treat your wives that way. Well, it gets me all the time. Sometimes it's easy to fall into that trap where we you know, we're teasing or poking fun or we get together with the guys or whatever and we we do this thing. But Jesus said, you love them like I love the church. And I present the church perfect. And when we look at this this idea of washing feet. Isn't it the same thing that God's saying for all of us? Don't point out the flaws in all your brothers. Jesus said, before you worry about his flaws, take the log out your own eye. You can't even see clearly. Have an attitude that says, man, no, I'm looking not for removal, but restoration. Now, whether restoration takes place is dependent upon whether or not there's repentance in the situation but my attitude should always be the same. I'm looking for restoration from a brother that has fallen that I could come alongside and lift him up. Jesus said, You wash one another's feet. What does that mean? I make you clean. Not embarrassed. I just make you clean. I humble myself. Isn't it humbling? What was it like for God Almighty to put on the flesh of mankind and walk on this earth? I can't even fathom what that's like. And then the God who spoke and all of creation came into being. Took off his robe and washed my feet. And then he said, you call me master and Lord and you speak well because that's what I am. Now you You go wash their feet. You guys got to take care of each other. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? Hey, guys, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be here anymore in the same way this relationship that we have is going to be different. You got to take care of each other. I remember my dad, me and my, I I have two brothers. Me and my brothers fought all the time. I don't know if anybody ever had lived in a, in a house like that, but we was always fighting, you know, you couldn't have us do the dishes, there would be a fist fight. And if you have us mow the backyard, there's going to be a fist fight. Whatever it was, there was going to be a fight. And I remember my dad taking us all, and he walked us over to the front door, and he said, boys, I need you guys to understand something. The most, the closest relationship with any person that you're going to have in your life are you three boys standing together fighting each other. And he opened up that front door and he just waved his arm. He said, see that whole world out there? Everybody out there is after you three. You need to stand together if you're going to have the victory. Isn't that what God says to us? Wash each other's feet. Stand with one another. Yeah, you don't think Peter was annoyed with John occasionally? They didn't always get along, but they knew it's important that we stand united together, not complaining about one another, but rather looking for an opportunity to wash each other's feet and to proclaim to the people around. Oh, that's my that's my that's my brother and he's clean. I can guarantee you in Peter's life, he's going to go out and he's going to preach. And while he's preaching, tradition tells us people would stand in the back and start to crow like a rooster. But I promise you, it was never John, because John was right there. John don't remember that. John don't remember that that Peter messed up or fell. Why? Because he says, "I wash my brother's feet. He's clean. He's good." That's the attitude. That the Lord is calling for look at this verse 15 for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Man, when I look at a brother or sister, I want to see my brother or sister with the eyes of Jesus Christ. Don't want to see it in my own prejudice. I don't want to see it because of whatever they said or whatever they did because folks Jesus said does not matter as I have done to you so you do to them that's why Jesus would say if you won't forgive your father in heaven won't forgive you how can I give you the greatest gift ever forgiveness and you won't extend that to anyone else I mean isn't my crime against God greater than the crime anyone else has perpetrated on earth toward me So God says, these things which I have done, use them as an example. You do what I've done to you. That's how he's calling us. Doesn't that really fix all our relationship issues? Because honestly, when I'm bitter or frustrated with somebody, or if I'm bitter and frustrated with my wife, I don't have the right to say or do or be anything toward her that God hasn't done to me. God forgive me for a whole lot more. So I want to see with his eyes. I want to see my brother or my sister like God sees them. Because that fixes all of that. That changes all those things. All those things that get sideways in our mind that are, that are out of whack. It will ch- change them all. Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Now Jesus is saying, listen, he's already told us the Father and him is one, right? But now he's swinging it the other way. Look, I'm not greater than the Father. I'm not greater than him. A servant is not greater than his master. I'm not greater in in position than God the Father is. But if you know these things, man, you should put a circle around that. Blessed are you if what? You do them. Right? It's one thing to lead somebody to water. It's a whole other thing to make them drink, isn't it? The Lord's laying this out. Listen, Not blessed are you if you know them. Not blessed are you if you memorize them. Not blessed are you if you are able to quote the entire scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Not blessed are you if you can pray longer than anybody else can pray. He says blessed are you if you do them. Be not what? Hearers of the word only. But doers also a whole nother, it's a whole nother realm isn't it? I mean it goes right back to John chapter 6 when Jesus said unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood you have no part in me Jesus wants to be ingested inside of us a part of what makes us who we are, he wants to be in not just looked at, not just waved at, not just worship not just, he wants to be in a part of it all so he says, hey, blessed are you if you do them. If you know these things, oh, how happy you will be if you do them. Oh, how happy you will be. That's what it's all about. It's all about loving one another. I do not speak concerning all of you, for I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture but that the scripture may be fulfilled, he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I'm telling you this before it happens, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am. You may believe I am eternal God. So before it happens, I'm telling you, one of you is going to betray me. You know the amazing thing? None of them knew it was Judas. Nobody. You don't see nobody saying, Lord, is it Judas? I always knew there was something wrong with that guy. <laughs> His feet were always dirtier than everybody else. No, they didn't. What did they say? Lord, is it what? Is it me? Is it me? They didn't see their brother in that light. But the Lord knew. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I... Send, receives me. And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. Listen, if if we receive, if we reach out, if we give Jesus said a glass of water to someone who's out serving the Lord, then we're a part of that ministry. We're a part of it. We offer up prayers for for different, uh, the the orphanage in Malawi, or different missionaries, all those things. We become a part of what they do. And it pleases God when we do what? Love one another that way. It pleases God. Not when you think about washing their feet. Not when you got an idea. Wow, you know, it was a good opportunity for me to wash your feet. No, Lord's not happy about that. He's happy when you what? Do them. When you take the opportunity to show love in truth. Love indeed. Not just love in word. That's what he's calling them to. So when he had said these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Look who was troubled. Who was troubled? Jesus. Why was he troubled? Because he knows right now the heart of Judas has turned. It's over. All those times that Jesus reached out to Judas... He can't reach out to him anymore. He's still going to extend to Judas an open hand. He's going to still extend to Judas faithfulness. Even when Judas comes to betray him, what does he say? He says, friend. Friend. Jesus' heart is still what? That Judas would choose life and live. But his heart is troubled because he knows. That Judas is not. That he has chosen to be lost. And God said, guys, God said, I have no glory in the destruction of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn and live. God's not happy to judge anyone. Because God alone understands what it means to be eternally separated from him. We don't understand that. We think we get an idea in our head, but we can't even fathom the truth of what it's all about. So God doesn't want anyone. So the Lord says his soul is troubled. He's headed to the cross. He's getting ready to be beaten more than any other man had ever been beaten. He's going to suffer more than any other man had ever suffered in the history of the world. And he's troubled about Judas. Because Jesus was other-centered. It's not about me. What can I do for you? How can I reach out to my brother? So the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was one leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Don't you love how John describes himself? But I kind of like it because we could learn something from this. Does God love you? See, I used to spend a lot of time in my life. Every, that, the answer to that question depended on my circumstances. For example, if you had asked me you know, a, a few years ago if what happened on Thursday had happened to me while I was flying through the air. And you stopped and said, Jackie, does God love you? I said, oh, God hates me. Look what's happening. Was that true? No. When had John learned? Jesus loves me. In everything. Jesus loves me. Don't forget who John was. You remember who John was? He was wearing leather. On his back, he had this, this crest, right? This patch on the back of his leather jacket. Oh Yeah. You don't remember that part? He had that on his back. It said, Sons of Thunder. Isn't that what they called John and his brother? The Sons of Thunder? He was rough, fisherman. He was ready to fight anybody. All of a sudden, how's he known? The one Jesus loves. John was never like that again. Why was he never like that again? Because I'm not that person anymore. I'm the one Jesus loves. Man, he made me clean. He washed my feet. And he calls me to do the same. We have to, every day, guys, we have to, every day, learn to walk that day in Jesus loves me. He loves you. I don't care what the day looks like. I don't care what you're going through. He loves you. He could not possibly love you any more than how he loves you. Because he loved you, what? To the uttermost. Everything. Everything. He loves you that way. So John, leaning back, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him, ask him of whom he spoke. And he leaning back on Jesus' breast said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. And Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Listen, what we miss in that, when you dipped your bread and you gave it to somebody, it was like a toast. It was, especially when the the guest of honor, the guest of honor was Jesus. When the guest of honor did it to you, so every disciple looking would have said, Wow, you know, Judas, man, he's in a special place. And even when Jesus said, Now what you do, go and do quickly. They didn't know what was going on. But no one at the table knew for what reason he had said this to him. For some thought because Judas had the money box. Jesus had said, buy the things we need for the feast. Or or that we should give something to the poor. So having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately. And it was night. I bet that was the darkest night Judas ever saw. What a crazy time, man. The final words that Jesus has, and he begins it, as he begins to talk to his disciples, he begins with, wash each other's feet. Oh yeah, whose feet did he wash? The betrayer. He washed Judas' feet. Did God love Judas? Yeah? Did God reach out the opportunity to Judas? Judas was God's hand there? But the Bible says Judas never believed. Later on, we're going to see Judas say, I have have called an innocent man guilty. But what did he say? An innocent man. I have condemned an innocent man. Jesus was so much more than that. But Judas never saw it. He never recognized it. So when he had gone out, Jesus said to the others, Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Jesus again talking about the cross. Little children, I say to you, a little while longer and you will see me. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this you will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Folks, the new commandment is this. The commandment had always been love one another. What's the new part? As I have loved you. Oh, that changes everything. And then Jesus said, This is how they will know you. This is how they will know you're my people. Because you dress in nicer clothes than everybody else on Sunday, because you sing better songs. More contemporary. You sing worse songs. You sing slow. You sing fast. Does any of that matter? By this, they will know you are my disciples. The way you love each other. What did he say? What you have seen me do, that's what you're supposed to do. Wash each other's feet. Wipe away the stain of sin that may remain. The reproach of a brother. The Bible says what? Love covers a multitude of sin. If you're looking at a brother or sister and all you can see is their faults, you're not seeing them with Jesus' eyes. Because Jesus sees you how? Perfect. Righteous. Holy. Holy. That's how we want to see. That's how we want to see our brother. Well, as we consider this morning, we have such a great opportunity every uh, every time we come to Koinonia. We have an opportunity for communion. And as we consider the message that, that the Lord had for us this morning in John chapter 13, I'm reminded of a chapter in Luke that leads us to that same time in I just want you to consider it for a moment. In Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 14, it says, Now when the hour had come, he sat down with the twelve disciples. That's that time we were just reading about. And he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God, until we're together with him. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, Here, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise also he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Behold, but behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. Judas was there. He sat there as the Lord instituted communion. Didn't believe. His, his heart wasn't open to who Jesus was, but he was there. And Jesus told him the same things he told all the other disciples, didn't he? This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood shed for the remission of sin. Here, take partake of this. Remember me as you do. And then what does he call us to? Now, the love with which I have loved you, you go and love one another. That's our call this morning. As we have a time of communion, we're going to go ahead and have the worship team come up. We're going to share a worship song with you and the ushers will go ahead and begin to pass out the implements of communion. But, as that's going on as that's all taken place remember whatever position you are in the love of God is being poured out towards you God desiring to touch you in an incredible way with the love with which he has loved you he's calling you to love one another and also to receive His love. Amen?
1: Extravagant love grace Broken and beautiful God's perfect justice Mercy embraced As we break this bread As we drink this wine Lord, we remember It was for my sin That your flesh was torn Lord, we remember This is the way Chosen to say This is the And beautiful. Broken and beautiful, extravagant love, particle grace, broken and beautiful, broken and beautiful. God's perfect justice, mercy and grace. Drive again, love
0: contemplate that perfect sacrifice, Jesus' broken body. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your body broken for us. And Lord, we lift it to you and partake together, giving you thanks for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we partake? As we consider the cup, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for this cup that that just tells us the story of your blood shed for my remission of sin. It is by this cup, it is through this blood that you wash us clean, white as snow. Father, as we remember your blood poured out for us, As we fulfill what you call us to do. To remember you. Lord we remember the call that you have given to each of us. That even as you have loved us. May we love one another. And so we give you thanks. And partake together as a body. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You may partake.
1: Can I have everybody stand up? What a friend. You've prepared.